We have been in a series for the last three weeks called Many Gifts, One Spirit. And um, today, I just want to remind you that if you haven't or if you've missed, let's say it like that, if you've missed one of the messages, you can always catch up by watching it on Facebook because the videos are posted there of our worship service, or you can go to your favorite podcasting app, and we've got links on our website all about how you can connect there and listen in to the messages. So last week, we talked about uh, the communication gifts of the spiritual gifts that we titled communication gifts, which included prophecy, teaching, and encouraging. So today, we're going to talk about another category of spiritual gifts, and these gifts involve acts of service, acts of service. How many of you love when somebody does something nice for you? Right? That's pretty much, I mean, that's a human thing we enjoy when somebody offers to do something nice for us. It's okay if you ask them to do something and then they do it. That's good. You know, that feels good. Hey, honey, will you please fill in the blank, whatever it is, and then that honey does that thing. But when somebody does something without being asked, that's amazing. And it makes you just feel great. Amen. And so today we're going to talk about four different gifts uh, that involve serving others. And I'm really excited. We've got the kids in the room this morning for Family Sunday. So kids, say good morning. All right. I hope you pay attention. There's going to be a quiz at the end and a $100 bill for... I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Parents were like, wait, I'm taking notes today. (laughs) Um, so we're going to talk about these four different gifts that all involve serving. And I want you to be thinking today, not just in a way of listening to me teach and hearing some things out of the word of God, but I want you to think as we go through these, whether or not you have one of these gifts. If you haven't yet taken advantage of it, there's a spiritual gifts assessment on our Facebook uh, page as well that's posted. And we'd love for you to take that to help you better understand what your gifts are. So the first gift that we talk about this morning is the spiritual gift of giving. Do you know Jesus said these words that it's better to give than to receive? We try to tell our kids that and teach our kids that, but it's extremely difficult at that age. And might I just say, it might be difficult in adulthood too. (laughs) Jesus was telling us there's a blessing when you give, and it's better to give than to receive. Uh, So we need to understand what this spiritual gift of giving is. Here's what it is. It's the God-given ability to contribute money and resources to the work of the Lord with cheerfulness and generosity. You say, well, pastor, I tithe. My family tithes. Uh, We heard a missionary a couple weeks ago speak in our church. We emptied our our purse. We added a zero to to the check that day. Just because you tithe or because you give to missions doesn't necessarily mean you have the gift of giving. It means that you are an obedient follower of Christ, but there is a special grace that God gives to some people, some individuals, and we have some in the church here that have the gift of giving. See, all Christians are to obey Scripture. Scripture declares that we are to give 10% of our income 
to the work of the Lord. So in those days, it was brought to the temple, then to the tabernacle, or tabernacle, then the temple. And now these days, it's brought into the church where we call our home church. That's why we talk when we do a giving series about it's fine if you love the message that you hear on TV and you want to use your debit card and give $10 or $20 to that pastor or ministry or to that uh, that ministry that benefits orphans or whatever the case may be. But that is not your tithe. The Bible says your tithe belongs in the storehouse and the storehouse would be the one that you call home. And so Jesus even reignited uh, or caused people to understand that those religious leaders, they were wondering about what to do with their money. And Jesus said, you're tithing off of all of these things, including like the herbs in your garden, and you're right to do that, but you also need to do this. And he fills in the blank. If you want to know more details, we'll talk about it soon. But it's the God-given ability to contribute money. It's a grace gift and resources to the work of the Lord. So we're to give freely above and beyond what our tithe is, but there are some who have a special gift of giving that meets the needs of others. And here's a few things that I want to share with you about the gift of giving and about giving the action of giving. Listen to me closely. Take that off the screen, please. Listen to me closely. The gift of giving is not reserved for the wealthy. I want you to think, think about that. I've met dozens of individuals in my life who have the spiritual gift of giving and only one couple stands out in my mind as being super wealthy. That's it. You can have the gift of giving and live a normal life where God gives you the ability from time to time to do something extravagant and to go above and beyond. So it's not reserved just for the wealthy. So here's the thing. Listen to me clearly. You don't have to wait to be rich to give. How many of you are still waiting to get rich? Anybody else? Okay, I'm in the good company today. We don't have to wait to be, Lord, if you'd just give me a million dollars, I'd give half of it away, right? I mean, Lord, please help me. But we don't have to wait to get rich in order to give, amen? So anybody, regardless of their financial status, can have this gift. I want you to hear me well when I say that. My wife and I have known and met personal friends and known dozens of people in our life. Her separately before she met me, us together as a married couple in ministry. And only one of that group of people could be considered wealthy in your eyes and mine. So God works through those who desire to please him. And when we as believers give, the Bible gives us some instructions just under normal circumstances. And you can put that on the screen. It says that we should obey, we should give obediently. Look at this listing. This is without the gift of giving. This is just what your duty as a believer is to give obediently, to give sacrificially, well, if I sacrifice too much, I won't have enough. Don't get me started. God can do more in your life and in your bank account 
with the 90% that you keep than he can with you doing the 100% all your own. So he wants us to give generously. It's all throughout scripture. And if we're God's kids and we're having the character of Christ developed inside of us, then we must give like God gives. Does he not give sacrificially? He sacrificed his son. Does he not give generously? The Bible says, if your earthly father is good and you asked him for something and he gave it to you, how much more would your heavenly father? He's a generous giver. We're not supposed to give with fanfare. We're not supposed to give with accolades or looking to get an expectation of anything in return. I've always had a problem. Since I was a little kid, I would visit other churches. We would go for a community event to different denominational churches. And I'd go down the aisle to go sit with my parents. And I'd see donated by the family of so-and-so, so-and-so. In honor of Sister Betty so-and-so. All the way through with names and plaques on everything. And that's okay. They were doing a campaign where they were raising money to buy new pews or chairs or whatever the case may be. I'm not faulting them for that. But here's the deal. When you give, it's supposed to be private. It's not supposed to be done so that you get something in return. It's not supposed to be done with some grand fanfare. In fact, I believe that we are robbed of the blessing of the giving when we expect those things. I think there's evidence all throughout Scripture that demonstrates that. Here's a few scriptural examples of the gift of giving. You can write this down. The Philippian church, the Philippian church supported Paul's ministry when no one else would. They pioneered, they believed in him, they jumped on board, and they were not filthy rich. You can do some study about the city of Philippi. Those believers who were there were not the richest in the world, but they had the gift of giving. And then there's a woman named Dorcas, also named Tabitha. That's another version of her name. She's mentioned in Acts chapter 9. And the Bible says that this woman had the gift of giving. When she died unexpectedly, listen to me children. When this woman died unexpectedly, all the people in the town who had been blessed by her giving called for the apostle Peter to come in a hurry. And when he got there, the Bible says he went into the room where she was laying and dead. And the Bible says that Peter raised her from the dead. And the city celebrated and many came to faith in Jesus Christ. I find it interesting. All the works that the apostle Peter did, when he died, no one raised him from the dead. Isn't that interesting just to think about? Because we said there's no hierarchy. There's no order necessarily of most important to least important with these gifts. But we've got to see these examples in scripture and remember. I I thought about this when I was studying Dorcas this week. Remember this. The gift of giving could save your life. And that's not just a metaphor. Your obedience to follow what the Holy Spirit leads you to do when it comes to the gift of giving could very well save not just your life, but others around you. Don't you want to know somebody who has the gift of giving? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome if our church all were filled with a variety of gifts? Amen? 
And I'm so glad that we do have these in our body, amen, who are here today and even watching on Facebook. Let me give you a warning today. I'm going to give you a warning for each one of these gifts, because if this gift is your gift, and I believe it is for some of you, there's a warning that I've got to give you. And that is this. If you have the gift of giving, unresolved offense can stop the flow of your gift. So there's a specific pitfall for each one of these gifts. If I went back to last week and talked about it with prophecy, I would say the pitfall would be pride. Somebody coming to you, looking to, well, don't you know, Andrew, the word of God? God told you last time, so surely. And then Andrew's like, yes, he did, he did, he did. So there are pitfalls involved with every, there's potential weakness in every gift. Because why? You're human. And every gift, like we said over the last few weeks, needs to be developed. And I would even say protected. So if you've got the gift of giving, you've got to understand that if you get offended about something in life, in the church, in your ministry, whatever the case may be, and you don't resolve that conflict, it very well could stop the flow of your gift. So the encouragement I give to people who have the gift of giving is this. Guard your heart. Don't take it personally. The gift of giving, the person who exercises that gift literally believes that they are the funnel to God's resource. So we've got to remember that even in the aftermath when something doesn't get done like we thought it would after a gift has been received. We've got to understand it's God's and not ours. People with this gift... Uh, if you're a giver like this who has the gift of giving, you can find these people because they're financially responsible. This is not something I want you to understand. When we talked about the gifts in the intro messages, we said most often God designs you a certain way and then he heightens it with supernatural ability. So the person who has $50,000 in debt, who never pays a bill on time, and has creditors just knocking on their door, that's usually not the person that has the gift of giving. It's, I mean, it's just it's common sense to some degree. But the way that God designed them, they're usually financially responsible. They're disciplined in all areas of their life, but mostly in their finances. They're selfless and they're stewardship oriented. And the body of Christ needs people with the gift of giving activated, not so that your pastor can get paid. I want you to understand this. It's so that the work of God can go forth, not only here in this city, but around the world. Without the givers in the body of Christ, we would be limping along. And I'm so excited to tell you, and you know this if you've been with us for a while, but over the last eight years, our church here and even your pastor's family individually have been the recipients of people who had the gift of giving. Let us not forget the mortgage was paid off by faithfulness over years and then by one lump sum. God sometimes works like that, doesn't he? He works in a slow motion that's going all the way, a wave that's building to a point, and then all of a sudden it all comes in. And God has done some miracles for our church. Aren't you glad 
Praise God. He's good. Amen. Okay. If you've got the gift of giving, here's how you should use it. Take care of missionaries. Make sure they're taken care of. We've got people in the church right here today who honestly, I can tell you, love missions. When they know that a missionary is coming to town, I get a phone call or a text message. Is there anything that we can do, pastor? Uh, Can we take them out to lunch? Can I pay for them when they go out to lunch? Those kinds of things demonstrate the gift of giving. So use your gift like that. Here's another option. Talk to those in leadership, like your pastor and your ministry leaders, to see what needs are present in the body of Christ. Here's the deal. If you have the gift of giving, you may not be aware of all the needs. And if you wait for them to walk up to your doorstep, you may miss an opportunity. And so if you want to practice, praise God, the gift of giving, then you've got to have an inside scoop Do you get me? Are you following this morning? And here's the thing. If you go through the proper channels, and this is another semi-warning, this gives accountability to the process and it prevents you being abused as a giver. It's my job. It's your church's leadership job to protect the sheep. If somebody with bad intentions or just big needs finds out all of those who are big givers or those who have the gift of giving, there's a chance that there's going to be abuse. That every time a bill needs to be paid, there's going to be a phone call. And so you've got to understand if you, yes, you can use your gift of giving in the body of Christ, but really and truly, you need to make sure that you're thinking through it and doing it wisely through the proper channels in order to guard your own self and prevent abuse. Here's another way that you can exercise your gift. Share testimonies of what God has done for you. And another thing that you can bless the church with, any church, not just this church, but any church you find yourself part of in the future, if you have the gift of giving, you had better be helping your pastor. How, how do you help your pastor? And this, I'm not saying write a check. This is what I'm saying. You had better make yourself available when it comes to your pastor needing wisdom about the finances of the church. When the pastor needs to make a call, he needs to have a few individuals who are trustworthy, who have integrity, who have demonstrated good stewardship to say, hey, listen, do you think this is the right path to go on? You are a good steward and you've got the gift of giving. Your pastor needs people like that. Your church whether this one or the one you join in the future, needs people like that. So be part of the things that are fundraising campaigns or capital campaigns. When they go to raise funds, offer assistance. Pastor, do you need any help organizing this effort? Because, you know, if they're organized in their finances, pretty much they can organize other things and help out with that too. So if you don't have the gift of giving, pray for those who do have the gift of giving, that God would enable them even in greater ways. We said if you don't use it, you lose it. So I encourage you to exercise your gift. Let's go to the second gift. This is a combined gift, just because it's got two different words in two different places in the New Testament. And so I'm going to use it as a combined thing this morning. And it's the gift of helps 
or service. Now, the gift of helps or service is the ability to accomplish practical and necessary behind-the-scenes tasks. You say, well, how spiritual is that? You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Maybe, uh, maybe that's because you don't have this gift that you don't understand it, but I want to help you understand this gift. This gift is a blessing to others because it frees them up. It supports them. It helps the ministry and it meets their needs. I think of a few in, I can think of a few individuals in our church who outstandingly, like they stand out in my mind as shining examples of the person who is gifted in helps and service. It's a blessing. And you probably can think of them too. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 says this, And God has appointed in the church, I want you to see this. He's talking about some important things. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. You mean he mentions there apostles that would travel and pastor in a region as well as pastors of a local assembly, a, a, a grouping or a gathering of people? He mentions those people with the doers? Yes, the doers. I love that Home Depot um, phrase that they use in their commercials. Some of the guys in here are smiling because they've heard it a million times. Um, Get more done, right? And the only way you can do this is with those people who have the spiritual gift of helps. In Romans chapter 16, and it's really interesting today. Now, this is not just because I give you the example. Hold on. My brain's going too fast. Three of these four gifts that I'm going to mention to you today, all, all of them have an example of a woman in the New Testament. But that is not gender specific. Just like if I gave you last week examples of prophets, we talked about males, but then we also talked about Philip's daughters who were prophesying. So think about that when I say this, but it's very interesting to me. The gift of helps and service in, first, uh, in Romans chapter 16, we hear about a woman named Phoebe who was known for her acts of service in the body of Christ. She did all sorts of things as a blessing and an enablement to the ministry that was happening. Here's a warning though. If you have the gift, the gift of helps and service, you must be careful not to burn out. There's a principle, and I don't know if you've ever heard of John Maxwell. He's, he probably uh, came up with it, but it's been around for a long time. And it's called the 80-20 principle. It's talked about in leadership, and you're nodding your heads. You may have even heard it in a boardroom setting at your own job. But it's that 80% of the work of anything, any organization, ends up getting done by 20% of the people. Not because only 20% of the people can. <clears throat> But because they're asked to do something, they do it pretty well, and then they get asked to do more. How many of you have ever regretted doing a good job? <laughs> Hands going up all over. Be warned 
that you need to be careful not to burn out. You will be asked to do more. Some of you have been asked to do more. I'm looking at somebody on the front row over there. Somebody, we have been asked to do more because we do a good job in those things. And, you know, there's a secret I've heard some men talk about. If you mess it up, she won't ask you to do it again. (laughs) Don't do that in church. Okay, don't do that in church. You are meant to walk in excellence. Amen. And do a good job. Remember this, your service in the house of God may benefit the people of God, but the purpose is to serve him. That's that's all of these things. So if you have been in a moment of burnout where you served and served and served and been asked to do more and more and more. I encourage you, take a break. If you need a break, make it a quick break and get right back to it. And I don't say that because we're just trying to have, you know, slave labor and drive, drive, drive you. I'm saying it for your benefit because you handicap yourself and the body of Christ when you choose not to use this gift. That was better than you thought. People with this gift. I'm going to play that back later and get just blessed. People with this gift like to serve behind the scenes. They associate spiritual value with practical service. These people, just by nature, by God's design, are people who are willing, who are reliable. Another thing is they're observant. They see what needs to be done and they probably do it sometimes without even being asked to do it because they notice it. They're observant. They're helpful. They're selfless. They're not selfish or self-consumed. They're sacrificial. They have this whatever it takes attitude. Yeah, pastor, let's get it done. Yeah, ministry leader, let's get it done. Wow, I heard about this need. Let's get a team together and we're going to do it because they're doers. And the body of Christ needs doers. Amen. So here are some ways to do to practice the gift of helps and service. Start helping. Just do it. Join a team. Offer to help the leader of a current team. Be faithful in the little things. You know, completing those small tasks really have has an impact that's far reaching. You know, you think to yourself, well, what about in the old days? You know, the the secretary in the church who, you know, licked envelopes and put stamps on things. That's more important than you realize. The the people who have sacrificed their time on a weekend, sometime between a Wednesday night and a Saturday night, to come to this building and vacuum and put glass cleaner on the doors from all of the little handprints that we get. That's important. It's a big deal. We need doers. So do. All right, moving on. Here we go. The third spiritual gift is this, the gift of hospitality. This is another one that involves acts of service. Have you ever met somebody that's just super hospitable? They're just really warm, inviting, receptive, and all that. These people are awesome to be around. I love being around people like this. They have the God-given ability to care for people by providing friendly reception, food, and or lodging. 
Let me make a qualifier there. Good food, okay? If you're a bad cook, I don't know if you've got, you know your pastor. He loves food. Um, He loves to cook food. If they don't cook well, I don't know if that disqualifies them from this or maybe they just stick to something else. But the idea is this, that we need people in the body of Christ. Every body of Christ needs people who have the gift of hospitality. When I've traveled to other countries, I've seen an overwhelming sense of that gift of hospitality. It involves cultural preference as well as God's design for individuals. But hospitality should be a rate number one in the body of Christ. When you show up to the body of Christ, whether it's to a small group in a house or to a church service together or to some other function, you ought to have the Chick-fil-A type of mentality, right? You don't want the, and it's no offense to those that work at Burger King, but the whole, yeah, what can I get for you? That's not hospitality. My pleasure. I love my job. It's so great to be here today. That idea is what we need in the body of Christ. Why is that? Because we're representing something bigger. We're representing God. It's too bad Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. I'm just saying. In Acts chapter 16, we hear of another woman, and her name is Lydia. She volunteered to host Paul and his ministry team during their visit to the city of Philippi. Her gracious hospitality relieved tension and stress on Paul and all of the team that was with him because she took care of their needs. I'm sure in those days, she washed their clothes I'm sure she had people in the house who assisted with the meals and made sure that the linens were right and that there were towels out. You say, well, pastor, we don't live in those days. When you guys get a missionary in, y'all just get them up in a hotel, which hopefully has good service. Yes, but I don't want to rob you of the opportunity to use your gift of hospitality. So there's still outlets for that gift. It doesn't necessarily have to only be Hosting in your home. Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 4 says. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Just leave it there for just a second. Hospitable people do have a pitfall. And one of them would be that in the sense of being dragged or pulled in different directions, they may end up being a person who's a complainer. And they complain. They love to do it, but then they complain because it's, there's too much to be done. And so they can't find that balance. They need help finding that balance. And that's why they have the body of Christ to help them find that balance. But in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So those who have the gift of hospitality, the biggest pitfall, I would say, is the pitfall of making sure that you do not get taken advantage of. That your hospitality doesn't get taken advantage of. But man, what a blessing it is to get an invite to someone's home. Now, I know we're talking, we're still living in days of COVID and that kind of stuff. I understand that. But let's not let that stop the work of the kingdom of God when it's over. Amen? 
have an invitation, give an invitation. People with the gift of hospitality, if you have this gift, they provide a welcoming environment where everybody feels cared for and valued. I love it that they're always connecting other people. I love that after service, I know, I understand sometimes we got to run and we got things to do, but there's a connection time that happens throughout the building for a few minutes after every service. And I love when I hear this, someone says, oh, hey, so-and-so, have you met so-and-so? Let me introduce you to that person is a person that has the gift of hospitality, the person who is making those connections. So it's not just that, but they're making introductions and connections. They work hard to set people at ease and make people comfortable. When people are in my home, and teenagers have even laughed at this. We've had you know a guy's night where the guys are over and we're eating food or something. And it might just not even be a spiritual you know, emphasis, just a, an enjoyable time together. And I'll get up from the couch to go and go into the kitchen. And I'll say, anybody need anything? Can I get you a drink? And they're like... I mean, I can get it myself. But you've got to be hospitable. You've got to demonstrate that. And there's a bigger lesson there. You've got to demonstrate it so that others know what it looks like. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord will use their gifting to do the same for others. So they work hard to set people at ease. They've got warm and inviting personalities. They're gracious. And I'm going to say this, not only are they probably good cooks... Thank you, Miss Julie. <clears throat> I just had to shout her out. But they've also got a clean house. If you have the gift of hospitality, you don't have a dirty house. So there are some shaking their head going, well, I know which one I don't got. I don't got that one. Uh, the gift of hospitality. Uh, so, but seriously, though, it's a pre-qualifier. And we even talk about that in small group training. We say, okay, you want to be a host? That's awesome. You can't have 32 cats and not own a vacuum. You, you just, you got to figure things out and, and get it. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, your pastor is not visiting that small group, okay? Um, and there's probably plenty of people that might show up one time and not come back. And you're like, why won't they come back? It's because you don't have toilet paper in your bathroom. You got cat hair everywhere. So you got to think through this just practically, you say, Pastor, you're having a little too much fun. The spiritual gift of hospitality is amazing. And we ought to be demonstrating that, the Bible says, to one another. I've gotten invitations to your house. I'm not saying this to guilt anybody who, oh, I've never invited him to my house. I've got invitations. Your pastor's wife and I, we've enjoyed and experienced that gift of hospitality. And we don't want to be the only ones. And yeah, it's nice to have the pastor and his wife over probably, maybe sometimes, I don't know. But it's even greater to demonstrate hospitality, the Bible says, one to another within the body of Christ. I don't know too much about so-and-so. Well, invite them over to your house if it's clean. Okay, ways to use your gift, the gift of hospitality. Be a small group host. You say, Pastor, you've been talking about small groups and we don't currently have some. Well, COVID has stopped some things, but I'm prepping you for the future that lies ahead. So be a small group host. Organize, provide food for people in need. I love the ladies. You know, us men, we don't have a men's Facebook group, but the ladies do. The Celebrate Women. 
and their little group. And they, they post about, I need prayer for this. And so-and-so has this going on in their life. And I'm going into surgery or whatever the case may be. And they're all just like little, little hens mothering each other and nurturing each other. It's amazing. I'm part of that group. And I just get to see some of the stuff that's in there. Here's the thing. As soon as a need gets found out or heard about, all those women are going, who's taking care of the food? Who's, who's going first? Let's do a meal train. We've got to take care of so-and-so because they just had a death in their family. That kind of thing is not just reserved for women. It's the gift of hospitality that's working in the body of Christ. So you need to be that kind of person. Another thing that the gift of hospitality is demonstrated in is in our first impressions team, specifically in that team. Because you're interested in making sure that the temperature is just right, that the doors are open on time, that the coffee's hot, that the floor is swept. You've got an eye for that stuff because you want to be hospitable. And then here's the last one that we'll talk about today. It's the spiritual gift of mercy. This is the God-given ability to act compassionately towards those with physical, spiritual or emotional needs. Now, if you've been with us over this series, you remember I told you your pastor does not score high on the gift of mercy. And that's okay. Today, I'm just going to read to you things I learned out of books, okay, about the gift of mercy. No, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Gosh, y'all. Okay, I'll hurry, okay? The ability to compassionately act towards those with physical, spiritual, and emotional needs. I want you to think about this. There's a grand story in the Bible of someone who demonstrated mercy. Kids, I want you to look up at me for a second. Maybe you can help the grown-ups. Can you tell me the title of the story in the Bible where a man is hurt on the side of the road and people, pat, raise your hand, and people pass by him, and they don't help him, but one man does. Why are the two pastor's kids so quick? Does anybody else know? Okay, her hand was up first. You can say it together on the count of three. One, two, three. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Okay, thank you, girls. I trained them well for just this service. Luke chapter 10 tells us that the example is there about the Good Samaritan. He was demonstrating mercy. We all need to have mercy, but there are those who have the spiritual gift of mercy, which is above and beyond just the normal level. It is supernatural compassion towards others. Jesus, in talking about the final judgment, says this about mercy in Matthew 25, and it's powerful. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 Jesus says this, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Verse 37, Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you in or naked and we clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, 
you did it to me. The gift of mercy is really important. Uh, We love, uh, your pastor loves the Church of the Highlands. There are some ministries in the United States and around the world that are blessing the kingdom of God at large. And the Church of the Highlands that is based out of Birmingham, Alabama, um, is an amazing, an amazing church. The Lord put on their heart years ago as they started to grow and have multiple campuses in other places that they were to have somebody, somebody came to the pastor and said, Pastor, I really think we ought to see if we could pipe in the services and get chaplains to all the prisons in Alabama. Today, to this day, and you can go on their website and see, they've got more than 20 prison chaplaincies and services going every single week as a result of the ministry of one individual with the gift of mercy who said, Pastor, can you just let me help out? Hundreds of convicts have come to faith in Jesus Christ, been baptized behind bars, been filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of them have been set free since then and are living outside freely in every way. Amen. But what a powerful testimony that is. One person came to a pastor and said, Pastor, we got to do something about those they're forgotten about. They, they have needs too. We've got to reach them somehow. And God has done some miracles beyond compare. So here's a warning for those with the gift of mercy. And this is interesting. This is what I found. That if you have the gift of mercy, you're sensitive to hurt but it's easy for you to become overly sensitive to your own hurts. I want you to think about that for just a minute. You're sensitive to the needs of others, but there is a potential because you're, can I say it casually, because you're touchy-feely, that you get your feelings hurt and you allow offense to stop the flow of that gift. Don't let man or woman, don't let people stop the spiritual gift that God designed and purposed you with. God's people hurt God's people sometimes. We are wounded warriors walking on this path to try to receive victory at the end with Jesus Christ himself. But there are hurts that happen even in the body of Christ. And just because you got hurt doesn't mean that you tuck tail and run. It actually means that you should work through it. And even so, even more so, if you have the gift of mercy and you become hurt, you ought to sense the Holy Spirit leading you to the place of healing so that you don't allow that to stop you from exercising this gift. People with this gift, they seek to alleviate the source of pain that others have. They're really concerned. And I love this about kids. Kids demonstrate mercy so easily. It's amazing. Most of the time. I mean, some of them don't. They couldn't care less. But there are many children, because they're so new to this world, that they demonstrate mercy. Oh, she's left out by herself over there. I'm going to go talk to her. Oh, he fell down. I'm going to help him up. And they just, they demonstrate compassion fairly easily. They're looking out for the lonely, the needy, the forgotten. This is the same in adulthood with those who have the spiritual gift of mercy. 
They're concerned with those needs. They're empathetic. They feel the pain of the person. And they're, here's the other great thing about the people with the gift of mercy. They are humble. They're humble. They're real folks who care and are compassionate and are sensitive. Here are some ways that you can use the gift of mercy within and without, outside of the body of Christ. You can do it by offering to visit those who are in the hospital. Well, pastor, don't you have to be like certified as a chaplain to like go into the hospital? No, you don't really have to. If you know somebody, and I understand COVID put some limitations on these things, so just follow along with me. Hospital visitation is a big deal. It means a lot to a family who's in need and who's hurting. A lot of times I've found that in my hospital visits, it's not actually the benefit to the benefit of the individual who's in the bed. It's to the benefit of the family who's grieving or stressed or really at wit's end and don't know what to do. The gift of mercy demonstrated in that moment can benefit not just one, but many. You know, there are homeless people in our zip code. They're not just in the capital city 15 minutes away. They're actually in our zip code. So the homeless, they're in need. Did you know that Morrison Heights has one of the biggest food programs here in Mississippi? We love their program and we support them. We support them financially and physically. The school that we're part of donates. We've done drives for them and things like that. We've served in that place. Serve, find a place. Pastor, well, we need a food pantry. Sometimes you don't have to start something or create a wheel. You just go find where the wheel is that's rotating really well. And you say, let me just jump in. Pastor, is that okay? But I'm a member of Celebrate Church. Is it okay if I serve at Morrison Heights Food Pink? Yes. You know what your pastor does when people have knocked on this door? Come with me. Let's go to my buddy's church. They've got an amazing food pantry with some frozen goods, canned goods, boxes of cereal, and everything you need. Recovery programs. That's another way. There are people, and you've seen them, they visited our church. Teen Challenge is one of those programs here in Mississippi and really throughout the world. It's the gift of mercy demonstrated to those who are trying to recover from substance abuse and issues dealing with addictions. And even prison. Maybe that's been a thought in the back of your mind, like, I wonder how to do that. Well, then talk to somebody and figure it out. Because we want the gift of mercy to be demonstrated, not just in our church selfishly, but actually for those in need around us, because that's how we make the kingdom of God advance. Amen? That's how lives are changed, folks, because of that. Would you stand with me today? I want you to read the verses on the screen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. I just want you to absorb this in your spirit today. Whatever you do, work heartily. Now that word sounds strange maybe to children or to those without King James Version. <laughs> work with all your heart and all your might is basically what that means. 
and do it for the Lord, not for men, not for the people around you. Verse 24, it says this. It says that you should know that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, you're serving the needs of the church through hospitality in your gift or in the gift of mercy and developing a program or being part of a program that meets others' needs or the gift of giving. Yes, but listen, you are not just meeting someone's need in the body of Christ. You are actually going to be like Jesus said in Matthew 25 when he said, I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was hungry and you fed me. You did these things for my benefit. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? We pray this prayer often and I want to pray it again today. I would love for you to join me in your voice. You don't have to shout and scream. It's just a few words. It's just, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Let's pray that prayer together. Could you do that audibly with your pastor? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And then while the worship team sings this last song, let him speak to you. Maybe it is that you're dealing with something and you remember what it used to be like when that gift was active in your life, but somewhere along the way, you've been out of practice or fallen out of practice. Or maybe there's a hurt that you need to allow the Lord to help heal inside of you in order to get that gift activated and flowing again. Whatever it is, let's today commit to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. Father, I pray that you would bless Celebrate Church. I thank you for the men and women in this body who've exercised their spiritual gifts in acts of service to the body of Christ and to the world around them. God, I pray today that you would encourage them to increase and develop those gifts even further. And God, I pray that you would help us to be strengthened by their gifts. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everybody said...